0: Hello and welcome to the AME Update video and podcast. Today we have our weekly look at the headlines with the AMA's Vice President of Science, Medicine and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Andrea, welcome back. Thanks
1: for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Well, let's start off with some good news about the new bivalent COVID boosters for younger children. Um, We were told that they'd be authorized in October. It's October... What do we need to know?
1: Well, last week uh, we saw the FDA authorize emergency use of the new bivalent COVID boosters for kids 5 to 11. And then later that same day, the CDC director signed off on a decision memo um, expanding that updated use of the vaccine in younger kids. And we know that this is the final step needed to make those vaccines available to the public. And we've talked about before these new bo- boosters target that original COVID strain and the Omicron BA4, BA5 subvariant. So these new vaccines for the younger kids are similar to those that became available last month to those 12 and older. Uh, we know BA5 is still the predominant variant circulating in the US. Uh, Moderna's bivalent booster is now authorized for kids six and older. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously it was 18 and older and then Pfizer's became available Uh, Tickets five and older, and it had previously been authorized uh, in those 12 and up. But these boosters should now be available in pharmacies and doctors' offices.
0: That's great news. Uh, Give us a little background on why this authorization and its timing are so important.
1: Well, I think Dr. Peter Marks, uh, who we know is the FDA's top vaccine official, said it best. And in his statement, he really um, highlighted that. Kids have gone back to school in person, people are resuming their pre-pandemic behaviors and vaccination is the most effective measure we have to prevent those severe consequences of COVID-19, which includes hospitalization and death. Um, And booster doses continue to be important for adults and we recently got some uh, good news from Pfizer as as they uh, shared early data from their clinical trial on the bivalent booster uh, in individuals 18 and older.
0: What uh, What's the news there? Tell us more about the details of that particular uh, data.
1: Yeah, so it's early data, but it's, it's encouraging uh, as early as seven days after receiving a dose of Pfizer's bivalent vaccine. Participants in this trial showed a substantial increase in the Omicron BA4, BA5, neutralizing antibody response, and that was above uh, pre-booster levels. So the data is suggesting that the, the bivalent booster may provide better protection against Omicron BA4, BA5 than the original vaccine did. Um, and I think it's important to note that it was also well tolerated. Uh, based on this early data, the safety profile uh, looks similar to that of the original vaccine. Uh, we should have additional data measuring those responses in the trial at one month post-administration in the coming weeks. Um, and as Dr. Ja uh, mentioned when, when you spoke with him, uh, we are encouraging everyone who is eligible uh, to get that bivalent booster dose uh, by October 31st uh, in advance of the holidays and, of course, the anticipated winter surge in cases.
0: Again, you can catch that uh, conversation with Dr. Ja on our YouTube channel. Uh, really informative. What a great communicator. Um, and terrific news on the on the data there. Super glad to have gotten that by mail and booster. Everybody out there should get theirs as well. Andrea, how are the numbers looking for COVID this week? Uh, hopefully we still are seeing a downward trend, but is that the case?
1: Yeah, so if you look at the New York Times data, conditions continue, continue to improve Um, on the national level, uh, with that daily average reported cases at the lowest point since April. uh, That number is hovering right around 38,000. It's a decrease of about 20% uh, in the last two weeks.
0: How about on the hospitalization and uh, deaths? Uh, What are we seeing there on the the trends?
1: Yeah, so hospitalizations are still below 30,000, which is the first time that's happened since June, and that average of patients hospitalized for COVID is right around 26,000. It's a 7% decrease from two weeks ago. The number of deaths really continues to still be troubling, but that number has decreased about 2% in the last two weeks, and it's about 380 deaths per day. And and I would just caution that while these numbers continue to decrease nationally, we do have to prepare for those increases. We're starting to see in Europe, um, as we know that has been a predictor of Things to come
0: for us here in the U.S., curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at AMA-ASSN.org/slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. On the topic of long COVID, uh, there is some more troubling news about this, and there's a study that just came out of Scotland uh, that gives us uh, some idea of just how many people are still struggling Andrew, you take us through what the key findings were from uh, that research and what it could mean to healthcare going forward.
1: It's a study of tens of thousands of people in Scotland. It found that 1 in 20 people who had been sick with COVID reported not recovering at all, and Mm -hmm. 4 in 10 of those who had symptomatic infections said that they hadn't recovered fully from their infections many months later. The studies uh, published in the journal Nature Communications, it really tried to focus in on those long-term risks of COVID-19, and the the authors of the study tracked 33,000 people who had tested positive for COVID for 6 to 18 months, and also 63,000 people who had never been diagnosed with COVID.
0: Those are some very big numbers. Did it give any clue as to Uh, Who would be more susceptible to long COVID than others and kind of what symptoms to watch out for?
1: It did find that those people who had a severe initial COVID case were at higher risk for those long-term problems. And people uh, with previous uh, symptomatic infections reported certain persistent symptoms, so breathlessness, palpitations, confusion or difficulty concentrating, and that was at a rate of roughly three times as high as uninfected people. I think if we're we're looking for the good news in this study, it's it's that it found that people who had asymptomatic infections uh, are unlikely to have long-term effects from COVID, and that vaccination does appear to offer some some protection from those long-term symptoms.
0: Now, that uh, study, of course, is coming out of Scotland. What do we know here uh, in the US?
1: The US government is estimating that between 7.7 million and 23 million people in the US could have long COVID. And I think these findings really do reinforce the importance of long COVID patients and um, them being offered support, resources, and care options, of course, both here in the US and abroad.
0: Well, thank you very much. And we'll continue to keep tracking uh, on long COVID. Those are just huge numbers of people that are affected by that. Uh, Andrea, let's take a a little turn here and talk about monkeypox. Um, What are we seeing in terms of the case numbers there?
1: So according to CDC, um, there have been just over 27,000 cases of monkeypox virus reported in the US. Uh, We've talked about how those numbers have been falling Since the beginning of August, uh, they really peaked around 440 cases a day on average. uh, As of last week, that seven-day average was hovering right around 60 cases a day.
0: With the kind of uh, case numbers uh, heading down, do you think that we'll be able to eradicate this uh, particular outbreak here in the U.S.?
1: Well, CDC recently released a technical report um, and it talked about monkeypox eradication in the US and really found that that is unlikely in the near term. Uh, The outbreak is slowing and we think that's because of the availability of vaccines and the fact that people are more aware of how to avoid the infection. Um, But according to the report, low level transmission of the virus could, could continue indefinitely. Um, especially among men who have sex with other men. Um, And the CDC does expect those infections will continue to decline over the coming weeks and will drop significantly over the next several months. Um, But they're cautioning that it could start accelerating again if the virus starts spreading widely among US, U.S. populations through heterosexual networks or contact that doesn't involve sex.
0: All right. Well, uh, for our third and final virus of this particular segment, we talked last week about Ebola. Uh, Any news there?
1: Yeah, Uganda's um, health ministry has now confirmed about 54 cases of Ebola, uh, 19 deaths, and we know that those numbers are likely to continue to increase uh, that outbreak has reached Kampala, which is the capital city of Uganda. Uh, and There continue to be concerns that the virus could be difficult to control because we don't have um, an available vaccine for this strain of Ebola. Uh, last week, we heard the WHO uh, director uh, say that that clinical trial of vaccines to combat the Sudan strain of Ebola could start within weeks. Those trials are pending regulatory and ethics approvals from the Ugandan government, and of course, availability of doses for that trial. We know one of the vaccines uh, is a single dose developed by the Sabin Vaccine Institute, uh, and the other was developed by uh, the University of Oxford's Jenner Institute. Um, But while there is no vaccine, the Sudan strain is reportedly less transmissible and has shown a lower fatality rate in previous outbreaks. Uh, and that's compared to the Zaire strain of Ebola.
0: Well, thank you, Andrea. As we know, things can change and we'll continue to track that. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, Andrea, again, thanks for being here. We'll be back soon with another AMA update. You can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org podcasts. Thanks for joining us today. Please take care.